So much like how Ben will do entire episodes by saying, let's make Grant talk. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an idea for a cold open that's let's make Grant talk. That works. Um, So, Grant, I think you should share the bit about your bat signal when you return home and how you... (laughs) I love this. I I will let you fill in the details because I'll fuck the story up. But I love this story so much that you... when, When you drive to our hometown... You can call in a very specific order mm-hmm. to our local, you know, burger dairy whip hut where your it. friend works, and instantly it's like Grant's in town because, <laughs> because you, no one else on earth would order signal. that. That's how you know. Because <laughs> Grant orders a birthday cake with "I'm back, bitches." It's Grant <laughs> written on it. <laughs> <laughs> this is an aquarium, sir. <laughs> it's Grant. <laughs> no, I I get an order of pizza sticks. Well done. And if they see that the pizza sticks are supposed to be well done, well, there's only one human being who would order that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's probably within seven to ten minutes of this restaurant right now. Otherwise, he wouldn't be ordering. <laughs> so. I love the quality. I love the quality of the restaurant where essentially uh, they're just like, no one would want these fucked up except Grant. To no me, one wants this on purpose. I mean, the they're going to be burnt. Who wants it, though? Here's Grant. the thing. I worked there for several years in high school. That's how I made them. I didn't know you weren't supposed to make them that way until mm. I ordered them from someone else, you know, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This sucks. So <laughs> I was burning everyone's pizza sticks for years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unbeknownst. Damn near drove them out of business. Me. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, There's something wrong. This uh, pizza stick, the cheese is quite runny on the inside. <laughs> Welcome members Little Captain Travis, that's you, our listening audience, and a special welcome to members of our super-secret Double Diamond fan club, The Hoggies. For members of our super-secret fan club, set your decoder chastity belts to explode, since your sperm is too valuable, <laughs> your sperm is too valuable to fall into mm-hmm. enemy hands, because as you know... Assuming you're not sterile. Right. <laughs> you're not going to be in the hoggies if you're not st- if you're stale. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the hoggies. That's, um, that's a requirement. We have America's fer- most fertile listenership. <laughs> right. Be proud of that sperm, because as you know, this is a post-apocalyptic human repopulation podcast dedicated to ending the war with those greeners. And that's why this week we're talking about the 1988 film starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. Hell comes Ooh. to Frogtown. Yes. Had you guys ever heard of this before I suggested Hell, it yes. to you? I know no, Grant is, because I, I asked it. him. No, yes. oh. I had seen it before you'd suggested. Grant, how did you hear of this movie, aside from... Uh... I saw the title, and I'm like, well, I'm seeing that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Shut yeah. up. Good call, And Grant. I have it good, on DVD. Good for you. Good for you. It wasn't through wrestling references? Probably, it was probably through a Wikipedia rabbit hole of somehow you end up on Rowdy Roddy Piper filmography, and then like, excuse me? There's mm-hmm. two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's three, but we'll get to that. Right. Uh, I, my head canon, there's just the two. Um, Both in the same year. <laughs> Both 1988. You, I mean, hardworking man. But as Grant said, uh, for okay, this is kind of an obscure Hardest movie. Hardest working man in frog business. Only, yeah, only 50% of us had even heard of this movie coming into this podcast. It's yeah. okay if you haven't seen it. 
Uh, not only because of the way we're gonna cover it, but also, as Grant said, Hell Comes to Frogtown is doing the major lifting in getting this movie uh, entertainment mm-hmm. across to you. It's mostly uh, the title. Here's a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> I watched the movie, and then I also watched the DVD commentary that it comes with. Shut the fuck the up. Direct- that it comes with? Yeah. The, you bought the director it? and uh, writer uh, did commentary, and it was basically like their idea oh, from wow. the beginning. Uh, yeah. And yes, the title was written before the movie. The yeah, title was written absolutely. before any of the ideas. They came, a guy came up with that title, and then they wrote a movie around it. Grant, wow. the ti- okay, the title alone. A lot of pe- a lot of the earliest test screenings, people got up and started walking out after that. They thought that was it. <laughs> like, well, that's it, hey, right? Oh, the title. All right, let's get a beer. Uh, so uh, the way I would like to cover this uh, this uh, amazing movie. Uh, oh, first, you know what? Here's a question. Um, I noticed he is billed as just Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper, as I know him. I have to say the full thing. It's like people from our hometown have to say your full name, Corey Siefker. Um Did did he drop the Rowdy? He was not a full time wrestler anymore. He was, <clears throat> excuse me. He was just trying to transition into being an actor, and so yeah, he's, it's sort of like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne that's Johnson what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson had to do a bunch of movies and at least one Scorpion King before he was able to drop mm-hmm. the Rock part. And just be mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so I was like, did Roddy Piper do it in three? And it took The Rock a whole Scorpion King? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think of this as like, so Roddy is not great in it, but he's also not horrible. But I feel like he he's probably, he probably, he paved the, I'm sure, I am certain The Rock looks at Roddy Piper as paving the way for his enter, <laughs> entrance to stardom. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just an amazing experience. This film is. Let's uh, let, let's let's just get right to it. Um, I want to cover this. Uh, I want to cover this movie. Uh, like I said, it's a little obscure, and maybe maybe some of uh, the hoggies or Little Cap and Travis haven't been able to see it. What I'm going to do is let's cover it uh, through the the lens of the the, the hero's journey. There's uh, the author Joseph Campbell mm. uh, studied all these myths and found that there's like a very specific pattern in all of these uh, stories that we tell. Corey, uh, they bring up the hero's journey in the DVD commentary. Oh anyway, my God, go they on. have to. They have to. Well, what I'm saying <laughs> like is like it's Joseph Campbell. Yeah, it is a format that you follow. There's uh, Joseph Campbell created what he called the mono myth with these 22 story steps, and then uh, Christopher Vogler simplified it to the hero's journey with 12 steps in it. And uh, uh, I use the Dan Harmon story circle because it's got eight, and that's less. Um, <laughs> so what I thought I'd do is I would explain what happens in each step of this, uh, of this, you know, this mono, this monolithic story that we, we keep telling and, and you guys can be like, yeah, this is what's happening right here in this scene and in, in, in this segment. Um, cause the beauty of why we communicate with, um, uh, why we communicate with stories is like, uh, uh, Joseph Campbell, he realized that part of human existence is not only to adapt to our new situations, but, uh, to adapt that experience and growth to our own minds and inner self, and then to share that with our fellow human beings as an idea of a better way to be. And so in 1988, we got a sexy frog movie, uh, and this is exact. This is this 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 is worth communicating to other people. Is all I'm going to say. Um, uh, so so let's 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 dive right in with the beginning. I believe the uh, I, I believe we'll start with this. The I had a, I had a film professor who told me you always start with the three W's: when, where, and who. And I'll just start you off. We're in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're in a terrible wasteland, and Roddy Piper's there, and a bunch of hookers. <laughs> um, 
so uh, using uh, using this 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 pattern of storytelling, uh, it starts off with uh, our characters are in, a, are, are in a place of comfort, and uh, we set up their world. Uh, and our our place of comfort starts with there was a nuclear war. And then 10 years later, there was another nuclear war. <laughs> this is true. The doubling down of humanity. Uh, <laughs> it tells me that this is, uh, this, is near, this is true to life. We're not too far off the beaten track here. Um, yeah, so we have a, a, nuke, a nuke fest, and then we have to start introducing our, our, uh, our heroes, uh, our characters. I believe we're, we're introduced to Sam Hell as a lovable rapist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam Hell. Yeah. As, well, is his first name like Samuel Hellman? Sam Hellman? Sam Hell. What in the Sam Hell? Yeah, they. they oh, now I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they introduced him as a. He's in jail for sexual assault, and they never really walked that back. I thought they were. I, he never. Well, he. I know. I know that she. She then. Uh, set, takes. You know, drops the charges because of what story points we'll get to, but. They never. He never like says I didn't do it. He never says any sort of yeah. scenario. <laughs> it was just like, hey, well, girl. it's. I thought it was a classic like you know my you were my daughter. You were you know trying to make time with my daughter, and clearly you must be raping her. And it's only, like not that they could have just mutually wanted to do it because it's later that he has a reputation that he's like good at banging and stuff, and so why wouldn't she have? Maybe maybe it was it was fine, but you know he it's the cop with the gun like what are you doing to my daughter? He must be trying to rape her. Like, right, that's that's how I took it. We get our standoff with uh, the sheriff. The rape happens later, but but at least this part. Uh, this isn't this is a post apocalyptic future. Rape. There's a background rape going on. There's just a <laughs> low hum. Uh, so we we meet Sam Hell being being held captive and. Uh, the medtech, the future group of women who are uh, looking for fertile men and for, for fertile women to join them up in this post-apocalyptic future. They find Sam. They know his reputation. Turns out the girl he was making time with is pregnant. And now he goes from being uh, a lowlife to a hero. Um, and he has a meet-cute with the, uh, with the nurse named Spangle. Uh, while, she's, uh, while she's untying him, she grabs his crotch or sniffs him or something and stares at him through her giant glasses. You can tell they're in love, right? Yeah. So this is an interesting apocalypse to me because it's not like everything is completely destroyed. This is like, because they say several times through the movie, we're still at war here. We're still at war here, which is why they're trying to like, we're trying to make a whole bunch of, uh, we're trying to repopulate so we've got soldiers and stuff again and we can rebuild faster than the enemy. The Ruskies, I assume. But that's an interesting like half apocalypse where... Or you know what I mean? Like there's, it's not completely all destroyed and everything forgotten. This notes for later. As, as they lay out like that, that kind of first scene where Roddy Piper, we get the plot, which Corey just said that he has, he has to bang his way to to victory. I was like, <laughs> this is a porno, right? Like this, this is going to be a porno. And Grant, I'm, that was, I'm curious if the on the director's commentary if they mentioned any reason why they did they couldn't get like pun, porno funding or something. <laughs> why? Why? why, why? It's just, every step along the way, they want this to be a porno. They uh, definitely know what movie they're making. They wanted it to actually be a little uh, raunchier, as they kept saying. Mm. Uh, that just more schlocky and more B movie esque. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny they kept saying it's like oh, that's a, like 
we love those the Flash Gordon cereals, and I'm thinking, do, was there like a frog penis in the Flash Gordon cereals that I'm not aware of, or how much nudity uh, that, was there? Those were in like those? titties and stuff. But Grant, yeah. if there's only one, they're too too few for what they're up against. <laughs> this is true. They tripled yeah, down. Yeah, th- at this point, in th- this point, it was really confusing to me. I was like. Wait, did I write this? <laughs> right. So there's a, the guys. Your only way to save mankind is to bang all these does, ladies. It's like this. Um, the the complexity is like, is this a kids like comedy matinee with tits? What's going on? Uh, it's a they little did bit all say, over. The- uh, like. The, the guys were like, we always envisioned, you know, this, we didn't want this to just be one movie. We wanted to, like, make a bunch. And they were talked about how, like, the executives basically tricked them into signing the rights away. And there's a lot uh, of stuff with the executives. But they were also, they were like, we wanted, you know, uh, comic books, cartoons, toys. And it's like, you wanted toys for this movie where Roddy Piper fucks the post-apocalyptic women? Like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> what what? Are the toys going to be? Skeksis fucks a woman. Or tries to like this is like those alien toys they came out for. Uh, <laughs> that was a terrible marketing idea. See, I think that like this movie knows what it is, and it's just kind of a fun, goofy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, there's mutants and stuff, and he's got to bang ladies. Okay, it's on. But yeah, when you get into the Saturday morning cartoons and toys, that's the well, wait a minute. <laughs> you I, you knew what you were doing until that part. That's where you're getting a little delusional about what this is. Might as well write the Oscar speech in there too. So they came off very. Uh, they, it seemed like they at you know they knew what movie they were making. They were just having fun and they liked those kind of uh, schlocky kind of movies and stuff. And they seemed very just like normal kind of good guys. But then yeah. every once in a while they would say something where it's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" They were, <laughs> they were talking about how they met each other, and then you know they they met like working on some movie somewhere. And they were doing different stuff. They were doing technical work uh, and they're like setting up shots and they're like man all those shots that we set up on those movies in like 1982 or 83 or whatever my you see those shots in every movie nowadays i mean if we were getting if we got paid every time they used one of our shots we'd be millionaires oh, like, God. you didn't invent there's those, any of those <laughs> shots on. yeah yeah there's a reason they're not paying you is because you don't get paid for that also you didn't invent it anyway <laughs> okay so so we've set up our movie our hero is in a is in a place of stasis or comfort and uh, stage two of this uh, storytelling is that there is some need or event that compels him to go on some quest, right? Uh, and usually this is when a hero will also be like, no, I can't. I'll try and refuse it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty, uh, again, this movie, um, if you haven't noticed, subtlety is for communists. <laughs> uh, this movie just tells you what's going on. So as soon as he gets saved, he gets whisked back to med tech, gets a high sperm count reading, and... Uh, the the need of the movie is laid out for us right there. The highest mm-hmm. spermatozoan count they've ever tested. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how you know she's a doctor. <laughs> and not yes. just some tramp on the street. Spermatozoan. This movie, there's a cutting room floor where someone had a big sloshy jar in the back <laughs> as like a gag. Like uh, like the biggest like salad dressing jar you can have uh, as they're talking about his spermatozoa count. And then, of course, would drop it off screen. So... I got to think the casting was like, you know, they go out because these guys are, are nobodies and they have no money, but they're trying to get a big star of the day, Roddy Piper. And they're like telling him that, like, look, you're going to be the hero. You're, it's an apocalyptic world and you're going to save the day. Um, I don't know. OK. OK. Um, 
to save the day, you have to have sex with all the women and, <laughs> and you'll have a, a harem and, and you're, and he's like, okay, now we're talking. And he's, um, but like, I have like the most sperm, right? Like I'm, I'm the most potent. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to you that you have the most. Yes. Then, then you do. Yes. Okay. It's I'm good. In. You're in luck because that's already written in. <laughs> Matt, in my America, they're like, We'll give you this movie where you're uh, an action hero. Eh. And you get to punch a frog man. Eh, and you get to fuck all these women. But I got the highest sperm count, right? Whoa, what? That's, uh, <laughs> right. that's not the part we were... Well, sure, 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 sure. Like, it's clearly him covering for... Well, first of all, I, I made a note. Like, they cast... They needed a guy who could get... Who could sell getting hit in the junk and rolling around in the ground. And they, like, turned to <laughs> WWF, right? Uh <laughs> but it also makes me think like Roddy wrote in the part about him having the highest sperm count because clearly <laughs> he's made a career out of getting kicked in the nuts. <laughs> and he's like, what's ever <laughs> And it all still works perfectly fine yeah. despite my past. It works the best. Yeah. Turns out you've got the highest spermatozoa count. Ain't it's not bent and crooked. Like, <laughs> it's it is interesting that like when I thought this was gonna be a complete like stinker, um there were some things uh, that that I thought, oh, that's really good. But um, one is okay. Piper isn't like the biggest draw or anything, and I don't know. Was it, this was his first one as a? This is way yeah. before they live and all that this, stuff. Yeah, um, same year, but this is before they live. But okay, he's not so big. But uh, the Spangle was the villain in Red Sonia, Conan um, the Barbarian, and in Conan the Barbarian, exactly. She she's had stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rory Calhoun, and oh, Rory which Calhoun. by the way yes. when. We'll get to when Rory I saw Calhoun. the credits. I, I was like, "This is the first time I've seen it outside of The Simpsons." Yes, uh, he's my favorite character too. But oh yeah, I can't yeah. wait to get to Rory Calhoun. Uh, where are we right now? We're at uh, oh, we're at stage, stage two, two, and there's a, there's a neater drive, and um, this neater drive will uh, force our hero uh, into um, uh, stage three, which is crossing over into an unfamiliar situation. Um, oh. well, yeah, because the need is not only does he have the highest sperm count. But that's that. Like we got to protect this asset by sending it into a danger zone uh, to look for poon. <laughs> we go poon hunting. Um, there's a there's a harem of fertile women that's been captured by the Greeners, those toad mutants, and so our hero's got to go save them. Mm-hmm. Can we rewind to the part where Spangle had an eye patch bra? The one, I've never seen any post-apocalyptic clothing like this before. She had one bra that was like the full clothed cup, and the other one was like a a, a see-through cup, but with like a pasty thing on it. It was when she first like it's like first night with him. Then she tries to like strip tease her way out of her cabin, and and he's out by the campfire, and it's like. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Some costume designer's like, hear me out. You know, I'm gonna take. I'm going out on a apocalypse. No one lets me do this. And after that scene, they're like. Bam! Busted back down. You got to run everything by us again. Did you say pirate wench or post-apocalyptic wench? Your handwriting's yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. just put the eye patch there. <laughs> yeah, uh, an, an amazing, an amazing time. So, and this is where um, it has to, like you said, uh, has to do the dance to keep him hot. Uh, learn. He learns the rules of his uh, if it's exploding uh, metal underwear. Mm-hmm. If he gets, if he tries to run off on his own, it's gonna mm-hmm. blow. There's C4 packed around them babies. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get a lovely scene where we catch a wild woman who is fertile, and while she is in trauma, Roddy Piper rightfully does not want to well, have sex with her. She's in trauma. They <laughs> drug her, anyway. and then she's like a drugged lady, yes. and they're like, and now they're like, now do your business. She's fertile now, and it's like, ah, you want me to rape the drugged out lady? Like, yeah, yeah. At least for a metal. So, as crazy as this movie is, it's not that. Okay. 
So I tell you what, his character is much more redeeming. This is a bit of a save the cat where he's like, ah, I should say no for a minute before I do. <laughs> I don't know your Hollywood terms what a save the cat is. G- giving our hero um, uh, something likable to get us to cheer for him. Ah, uh, okay. Um, the next stage is, as you guys know, once we've been, once we've learned this new world, we've uh, we've been thrown into this unfamiliar situation. We there's a stage where in every story we begin to adapt to it. Uh, in this uh, in this story, this is where this is where we we meet the town. Also, um, like I said, the Joseph Campbell has like a more prosaic way of saying this. Uh, in this stage in the Joseph Campbell uh, includes the meeting of the coot, um, mm-hmm. in which a hero will meet a coot, <laughs> uh, most most likely an old coot. You see that a lot in rom-coms where they have a meat coot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> so we learn what's up with the town. We meet our coot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we, we start our hero you going to Frog Town? You can't get in there no ways or no how. Like that? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Can't believe they're going to Frog Town. But crazy, crazy as they are, they go to Frog Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the town, we meet everyone's favorite character... Looney Tunes. Yes. I didn't remember that that was his name. Later I was like, who, which one was Rory Calhoun? And it's like, he was Looney Tunes. I'm like, who the fuck was Looney Tunes? Was that one of the frog people or something? I never, I didn't remember his name. I just remembered that it was like, yeah. oh yeah. I think they say it like once. That's my guy, the uh, the old prospector. For people who don't know, imagine um, an old, unshaven, grizzled sunburn. That's the, vo- <laughs> that's the voice of Rory Calhoun. Well, remember when it was the... Yeah, an old prospector or the old miner or whatever his his thing is. Yeah, that's you know what he is. Yeah, he's it's not like such a like stretch interpretation of such a role. Um, it's played the way that you think it is. Yeah, I didn't check. Uh, is there any chance Rory's still Calhouning? <laughs> or is he definitely? Or is he definitely prospecting, he prospecting? for uranium <laughs> with with Dick, Trick, Dick Trickle? No, he's yeah, he's been dead for twenty years. Okay, okay, so he's he's up there. He's up there selling uranium to Dick Trickle. Mm. Got it. Uh, we meet. Uh, we're 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 in our town of frog people mutants, and I gotta say, uh, I'm just gonna say it right here: the people in the frog costumes are hamming it up so. So hard. They are chewing on the scenery. It is some of the biggest acting I've ever seen in a live action anything. <laughs> and this is why you have to cast hookers and wrestlers against it. There's no way an actor can, can hold up to this. <laughs> People in suits. It's amazing. Uh, I'm pretty sure some of the Skeksis or some of the old Skeksis material from uh, The Dark Crystal shows up in this scene. Um, this, there's quality puppets doing good work, and they're the star of this. Uh, they're the star of the movie at this point. It's another one. The- they are, as you say, the quality of the puppets. Like, well, that's some pretty good frog business happening there. They had a, yeah. a decent budget. Yeah. There are a couple things that were nice. I mean, including back to the opening credits. I remember, like, as it was starting, it was it had like a neat artistic look to it that I was like, yeah, Shit, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. I thought that this was, was really, really cool. going to be like I would be able to see the battery, how much battery life they had left on the camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> they, the on the commentary they were talking about how they've done a lot of stuff with James Cameron, uh, like you know, oh, small technical okay. things. But uh, they said the guy who did the Terminator titles did their titles. Okay, and I, that makes so, sense too. Yeah, I see the yeah. similarity. Okay. I was gonna say on that piece alone, like if to call it a B movie, I thought everything was executed really well. Like it, it, it was very smooth and professional uh, for a B movie. I, I was impressed. I'm not gonna lie. There's a shot where they follow the smoke trail of an explosion, and I'm like, that's a very smooth pan shot. Like 
everything's executed pretty well. This must have been a fun movie to work on because it's just frog sets, t- tits, and Roddy Piper. <laughs> and I, I, where we are at in the movie, I wrote down, we are 36 minutes in before we get our first Toad Lady strip tease. And that is incredible restra- restraint by these directors. Yes. Surely they were like, when do we, no, 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 set up the story. We set can up only story. Hitchcock and- for so long. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, they couldn't they couldn't restrain uh, one penis to our, our nemesis. The fact that they held a striptease this long is shocking. Right. Yeah, they um, couldn't, uh, they, they did that on purpose. They talked about how we're like, well, we wanted to wait. And then like, you wanted like, just kind of drip in the frogs and then eventually they get crazier. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they were talking about how the their last movie before this had a budget of like five thousand dollars, <laughs> and it, it did really well on video. And so this was going to be like a hundred fifty thousand. They're like, holy fucking shit, one hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> Why would you even do that after uh, having five thousand? We're gonna have so many frogs. They were they were they said like the pat they were passing the script around the the company, the New World Cinema or whatever that they were working for, and everyone loved it so much, and the budget just kept getting bigger. And finally, they had, they had to choose. They're like, we can give you one hundred fifty thousand, and you can just go make it and do whatever you want, or we can do like one and a half million. But then other people are gonna have to get involved. And they went the one, but it'll be like a real movie. And they yeah. they kept saying the words "real movie" <laughs> when talking about it. And so they're like, "Well, that sounds cool." Uh, so they they went the real movie route and went the one and a half million dollar budget, but. Then of course the executives get involved, and right. they were talking about all of the, the how they're arguing about everything. And the big toad guy, the leader of Frogtown, was supposed to have four arms, and they had already built like the prop, the puppetry, and everything. But then there were weird. It was this huge sticking point with some executives. That's where they drew the line on how yeah. many arms he had. And that's what they they kept coming back to that. They're like these like fucking. Harvard educated people were so adamant on how many yeah. arms a frogman should have in a movie. It's like what? <laughs> and yet, uh, three three cocks on him flew under the yeah, radar. Yeah, that, and <laughs> they're, they're, they talked about that and several other lines that are like, and they let that go. Why would they let? We could not believe they let that go. But oh, it's so uh, fun. one of the notes that they got was. Do they have to be frogs? What if we? What if they're not frogs at all? Like we just take the frogs out. And they're like, yeah, hell comes to town. <laughs> like, you, you're, you're suggesting taking the frogs out of hell comes to frog town. That's Good the whole Lord. point. Right. But that was a real suggestion yeah. from, <laughs> from an executive. Take the frogs out. <laughs> yeah. The, but, yeah. Uh, okay. It totally would not have worked. The frogs are my favorite part because in this section, there's a frog reading the frog prince. And the frog we meet mm-hmm. is named Leroy. Leroy is, Leroy is like out of Casablanca. He's he's wearing a fez and swimming oh, goggles for some Leroy. reason. Okay, and yeah. he's very erudite. He's here to make a deal. <laughs> I love Leroy, and yeah. Leroy's gonna offer. Get this for Sandal Bergman, thirty lilies. Uh huh. <laughs> they have their own yeah. money. You see, mm. it's called lilies. Ooh. Right, but. That my second favorite frog. <laughs> That's like if American money was called hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> the Americans will pay such hamburgers for the, yeah. I could switch over to the hamburger standard. Um, and <laughs> 30 hamburgers to, uh, I think, 45 Norwegian kroner. 
And in the late 21st century, the American economy tanked due to tying their money to the hamburger standard. There's a fixed picture. There's a picture of me shrugging behind with all these guitars behind me. I'm not an economy. <laughs> they said the beef standard would work. I can't believe it didn't. Uh, we yeah, were Ben fools. Franklin on the Crave case. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, Matt. <laughs> uh, speaking of Ben Franklin. Uh, we're we're trying to infiltrate Frogtown. We're trying to find out where these fertile women are. Sandal Bergman's our, our fake slave that we're going to try and sell and get some information. And just as we're about to make a deal with Leroy, like I said, for 30 lilies, Bull comes in. The mm-hmm. Bull is acting. You can see Bull's acting from space. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest, when someone's like... Hey, man, will you be a frog villain? It's really hot in the costume, and we can only pay you in Coke. (laughs) There was a dude that said yes, and I'm so Hmm. glad he did. Bull is just the largest. He comes in, shuts it all down. He's a big asshole, right? He's he's an enforcer for our villain, Toady. T-O-T-Y. General Toady. General Toady. Because it's not the word you're thinking of. It's a different word. Yeah. It's entirely a coincidence. Yes. Because it, it's not like it shows up in print in the movie. Ever. Yes, exactly. It's it's <laughs> never. So it only worked when I looked up the cast and I was like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, come on. That's why uh, for the later part of this episode, I said, what's your post-apocalyptic name? Don't worry about the spelling. Ah, that's why. Okay. Spelling's so, out the window. Surely that was the product of one of those Harvard eggheads, right, Grant? Right. <laughs> Fine. If he can't have four arms, he's got to be named Toti. <laughs> <laughs> Anything at this point, just say yes. Uh, just as a note, the one guy who was arguing about the the four arms, he's like, well, I've learned my, this was our first big movie. I've learned the lesson now is that you just agree with the executive, but then you go out and do whatever you want. (laughs) So you just do it anyway. But nice. Oh, speaking of doing it anyway, um, this is the, this is the point in the story. Our heroes will have to pay a heavy price. Uh, The heavy price that will have to be paid right here is, Spangle, having been captured, to be the plaything of Toadie, uh, she's going to have to survive the dance of the three snakes. Um, I'm, I, I, was, I was clueless here. Did you guys get what was going on? <laughs> no idea. Very subtle. It's a little too subtle. There is one bit of subtlety. Uh, a bunch of diaphanously clad women um, dance around um, Spangle while they undress her. And when they cut back to this scene... They they say uh, uh, may may this passion uh, remember this passion to help you through the dance of the three snakes. I think I know what was going on. It was a big lesbian rat king they made. Um, <laughs> just a big twisted up knot of bodies. <laughs> yeah, they were all supposed to be nude in that scene, but that was uh, some of the uh, raunchiness that got uh, scaled back. So uh, of the nudity in this movie, the you you could. I feel like it was classy on set in the sense of like, hey, does anyone want to do this? Because no one seems like they're being forced. Everyone who's like, take your top off, they're like, um, yeah, cool. Can I? The all all of those the harem <laughs> girls, they were all hired specifically to be nude actresses. Like they were, they're like they sent in their their nude like you know torso up shots. This is what you know. This is why we were hired. <laughs> and then uh, they just they kept yeah. Their in that case, they were underutilized. Yeah. Mm. There, there's several scenes where they're like almost taking it off and you can see someone off screen waving like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just coming in and covering <laughs> it up. <laughs> Confused shots, right? Um, our fearless nurse, combatant, uh, Spangle, 
Um, she's of course brought to a chamber. There's somewhat. There's a frog in a motorcycle helmet wearing a bray on top of the motorcycle helmet, <laughs> cranking something that makes music. Um, to which she must dance to. Meanwhile, Roddy Piper's uh, he, he's chasing her down to uh, to get her back. Um, how hard did you guys find this scene to masturbate to? Uh, <laughs> medium, medium. I'd yeah. say. Uh, as much as I love the actress, uh, Sandal Bergman's sexy dancing is a slow version of the wacky, waving, inflatable tube man. <laughs> it's just arms going, arms and torso kind of going. It's it's like kelp. It's sexy kelp. Imagine seaweed so dancing kelp. underwater. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Kelp. Um, <laughs> pretty standard section in the movie where our hero is nearly nearly destroyed. Uh, she's she's aroused the she's aroused the skexies with the three penises. And, uh, of course, she has a witty quip and kicks him in the balls. Uh, kicking in the balls to save the day. Uh, ben, did you bring up ball kicking earlier? We thought Roddy... Again, no. we hired hookers and didn't have them undress. We hired uh, Roddy Piper, and we're not even going to worry about kicking him in the balls. But Roddy Piper with the Three Stooges style right eye, eye. Mm-hmm. That is... That I wouldn't doubt if he improvised that. It seems so Roddy Piper to me to like <laughs> do the Three Stooges <laughs> eye gouge. Mm-hmm. That oh, yeah. just really is his brand to me. We'll get to there because in the next section, after we've uh, after we've confronted uh, the 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 evil in the story, we've confronted Toadie, We've got to uh, we've got to make an escape, and in this section, we return to a familiar situation. Um, we save the girls. We signal uh, Sentinella. By the way, Sentinella driving around a kind a of a candle or pink, a pink World War. Two ambulance with a machine gun on top. Mm. How did that not beat out the DeLorean as coolest car? <laughs> I just uh, you can rent a DeLorean. I would I would rent that for a day. Anyways, just saying. The director built the pink the the medtech car and the the towed tank thing. Toad tank underutilized. Uh, like he built the, before they even started. Like before they even got funding for the movie, as he was just like coming up with ideas, he built those himself. Um, mm. the anyone that would make this movie probably had a pink ambulance with a machine gun on it, and they're like, "And we could put it in the movie." <laughs> it, <definitely, laughs> it was definitely not. Uh, it was definitely shoehorned in later. Well, the one director first came with "Hell Comes to Frogtown," which we knew that preceded everything else. The other guy goes, "And I got this pink car." <laughs> uh, in um, this is this is almost the end of our of our story circle as we're coming back around. Uh, it, during the return, like I said, uh, Joseph Campbell has fancier names for one of the sections in his uh, part right here is the, the killing of the coot, uh, in which a coot will die. Uh, <laughs> and as we're getting out, we signal Sentinella. She comes in and picks everyone up. We've got all the sexy girls. We're getting out. It's a very uh, Mad Max Fury Road, long before Mad Max Fury Road. And, <laughs> they invented that shot. And there's no <laughs> way we can get out without a little bit of death. And the coot catches a stray bullet. He off some off screen something happens. At this point, they were talking about how like a lot of scenes were like getting cut, and they also couldn't film them because they're just like, well, we only have so much time, and they're just like, yeah, we'd yeah. <laughs> they they were doing a lot of off screen. A lot was yeah. happening off screen. Yeah, the ending of this movie, you can tell that they were like done. <laughs> 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 we're losing the light, and everyone went home. Yeah. You two wrestle. That's uh, that's what it came <laughs> down to. Uh, and during this part on this uh, on this road back, uh, our enemy regroups and attacks us. And of course, Toadie uh, catches up with us, but not before we're 
Like I said, this is called the return. This is when we see a, uh, a mirror image of where we started and our hero has changed and confronts a similar situation in a different way. The sheriff from before that we embarrassed and probably kicked in the balls, he is holding us up Raiders of the Lost Ark style with a, miss- with a rocket launcher. And mm-hmm. what's his plan? He's going to start the world over by nuking it to death. We're still trying to solve our problems with bombs. And so this is our <laughs> chance to stop that cycle of violence. And Roddy Piper changes, uh, makes, a, makes a change in this loop by killing the guy. Uh, best way to stop a cycle of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't do it with a bomb. He did it with a katana. And that's what... Uh, Which is pretty sweet. The katana is a point where when you're like, yeah, they were out of time and ideas and money and energy... <laughs> Roddy Piper has a, a sword on his back like a ninja would and his hands above his head inches away from the sword handle but he inches. can't get to it and he asks someone standing a couple feet away throw it to me and when they film the, see- the scene his thumb is it, it, her throwing it to him pushes it further away from his hand I swear uh, <laughs> was she contracted to have a line or was she just pissed that she didn't get to show her tits and like can I just say that this this scene itself summarizes like why I love this movie and I have I could save my entire review for the end. I loved this movie and will would watch again mm. and would would purchase. Uh but there was a scene right before this, they're driving in the pink car to this scene, and I noticed that katana handle and I hadn't noticed maybe it was there before. Uh, I don't I remember don't think it was. Seeing it I think they just randomly I'm like, there's a katana handle. That's interesting. Why would he have a sword? But then when when they're like the guy's holding them at nuke point, and his hands are up there next to the katana. I was like, oh, fuck yes, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And yeah. they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> I, I had two notes at that point. Cut off head or stuck in chest? Stuck in yeah. the chest. I had a star yeah. next to stuck in chest. I was so happy it was stuck in chest. It is not chest. a throwing sword, by the way. It's a full-length like katana. But yeah. he can grab it behind <laughs> And chuck it through a guy's chest. At the speed of light. <laughs> yeah. I was so he happy. He never shows that, that skill anywhere before, but now he's like, oh, you didn't know? I can do that and fuck. Yeah. The movie magic of him pulling that out, you can tell how awkward and weird it gets like caught over his back and it's like tied on with like a sad string. It's not a, it's not a convincing throw, but the, the whip pan over to the end, the, the bad guy with the thing in his head, or stuck in his chest. The sword stuck in his chest, whip pan, that sold it for me. I'm like, yes, I'm so happy. Yes. It's already bloody. Oh, perfect. The two best moments in the movie are when the sword is thrown and he is impaled instantly. And then also at the end of the Dance of the Three Snakes when he's like, make love to me. And she says no. And then he goes, no. <laughs> that, that needs rea- to be a that gift. Reaction, right? That kind of no. <laughs> it's <laughs> No. Uh, if you have ever thought you were going to get laid and then something happens, the dog walks in the room or whatever reason and somehow it throws it, you're all like, damn But if I had three dicks, imagine how mad I'd be then. So I get it. That's sound logic. Story checks out. Yeah, it's my thoughts. This uh, this section also includes the the story beats of um, the fighting near a cliff and the mm. the passage of the of the goddess, and this is where we lose our love interest uh, and fight near a cliff. <laughs> Sword through the chest, guy gets away somehow, and Roddy Piper. The take they used was dram. 
He's he says damn, but he's also saying darn or say it's, it's drams. I, I read it back a couple times. It's dram. That's the take they use. Dram. He got away. He's Scottish. He's talking about a shot of whiskey. There it yes. is. This is the point where our hero changes. He's just been doing it for himself this whole time, right? Uh, just raping and living on his own. <laughs> Now he's gonna put those skills to good use, and he's gonna <laughs> do, he's gonna he's gonna rape and kill for the betterment of mankind. And he chases uh, he chases uh, Count Sodom down, the man who seconds ago fell over and was lifeless with a sword in his chest. And by the time we run to him, the distance you could throw a sword. By the time you run to the <laughs> by the time you run to the distance you could throw a sword. All that's there is the sword, and they're like, what the. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And then of course, obligatory chase down and uh stand off with the bad guy. Uh using violence again, like I said, ending the cycle of violence by shooting the bad guy uh very unconvincingly with the gun. Is this the first time Roddy Piper saw a gun? <laughs> I'm not going to say that the the end fight isn't memorable because I don't remember it. Um and I watched it just before we we recorded this. Um the only thing I remember from the end is, of course, our hero wins. The punching of a man in a puppet mask. Apparently, there were delicate <laughs> electronics in there because those punches <laughs> land real soft. And there's no camera. Like this is a man who's this is a man who's trained in fake punching, and none, <laughs> and none of it's convincing. Again, we do get more Roddy holding his nuts, rolling around on the ground. Which again, I that was has to be the number one reason they they cast him. Uh, I do think that everything after the katana throw, I, we don't need. I, I could have stopped watching. Yeah. I generally stopped paying attention. But I will. This whole fight was stupid. But at the the way it ended, I was like, "Is he going to grab the? Yep, he's going. Uh, okay, okay. Like I appreciate that <laughs> as the guy, the toad is dangling from the cliff. Rowdy finally gra- grabs the katana and cuts the guy's hand off, which is the katana that's knocked out of his hands twice. <laughs> right." Rule of threes, maybe not in a quick fight scene. <laughs> Took us a while to set up each each of those three knockaways. Um, there's nothing better than cutting your opponent's arms off as they fall to their death. Uh, <laughs> uh, Total Recall has taught us that. See you at the party, Richter. Um, the only thing, like 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 Matt said, throw the katana in the chest. Fast forward to the the little bit at the end where now uh, now he's in love with Spangle. Sam Hell is in love with Spangle, and they're gonna drive someone else's jeep. Some other some other car. Uh, they're driving some other vehicle they have. They gotta go. They're gonna head back to MedTech, and they got their gaggle of uh, of fertile women. And he gets a vacation with Sandal Bergman just as soon as he impregnates all these women. Um, only only complaint of this movie is right here. They did not cut to "Ow, I feel good," and then just roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so they made two more movies. Piper isn't in any of this business. Um, Return to Frogtown was a direct to VHS. I did not look too much more into that. If you just see the cover of it, you go, nah, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, the third one, <laughs> so the first one was compared to Mad Max, because that was mm-hmm. you know popular in her predecessor. The third movie is called Toad Warrior. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> or alternate title is Max Hell Frog Warrior. Oh, my mm. God. <laughs> but here's my favorite part. Uh, it, the Wikipedia was say it said that it was an um, example of Zen filmmaking, and I'm like, wait, what? Um, Zen filmmaking is where there are no scripts, 
just rough plot outlines the actors improvise, including set pieces. Like, <laughs> over like, I don't know, we're supposed to, uh, let's get up on that thing, and then we'll, yes. <laughs> this is what they were talking about on the commentary. Oh. He, call, he called it Zen filmmaking, yeah. and that's what the a lot of the movies he had made before were just like, we just shot some stuff. And then we like looked at it and we're like, what is this? And we just kind of like put it together in a way that made sense. That makes the movie make more sense. But they they didn't do that for hot. They didn't do that for uh, Hell Comes to Frog Town. Yeah, this was scripted. There's a lot of sophisticated Hollywood and Joseph Campbell business going on here. For our listener, uh, this is like how I come up with podcast topics. So just think when there's a Ben topic and he's like, I don't know. Uh, someone died or something in uh, an action. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what they did for the third one. I thought that was unbelievable. One of the reasons I love this is uh, and that this movie is near and dear to my heart. Not only is it amazing, but in our little corner of Northwest Ohio, uh, I have driven by the Frogtown Grain Elevator, which, mm-hmm. uh, number one, I searched, was this the Frogtown that they were talking about? No. <laughs> having seen the movie and having seen the Grain Elevator, I checked again. Are you sure this isn't a grain elevator? It's a pretty rusty old grain elevator. Um, the fact that we grew up next to uh, a grain elevator called Frogtown, or a town called Frogtown, can't tell. Just a grain Google, elevator. Google doesn't turn up a lot except that they donated to the class of 1968 uh, Ottawa Glendorf uh, Memorial. <laughs> Thanks, Google. Anyways, uh, the Frogtown elevator did. So I was going to say, let's make a pact right now. That uh, okay. after the fall of uh, society in our post-apocalyptic world, that we all agree to travel to and meet up at Frogtown. Okay. Um, okay, I mean. But we're going to need a post-apocalyptic name, an occupation, and some sort of value that we bring to the crew. You might want to get used to just changing this name. You might want to change your contact info. Uh, my post-apocalyptic name is Sunburnt Casper, the Desert Ghost. Really? <laughs> um, nice. Uh, I, I'm pale and I burn easily. Uh, I'm, I'll be working as a, as a, as a rare scrounging loner or a lonely scrounger. I don't know how classes in D&D work in the future, but I'm either a lonely scrounger or a scrounging loner. Um, I, I like to, I like to find, uh, little, little bits of useful, useful junk in, uh, piles of refuse and stuff. Um, and I can do that in the future. So, um... My my value, uh, as Ben talked about in our original uh, post-apocalyptic uh, occupations, we had a pretty dim view of our of our prospects. I think I've at least upgraded to a joke parrot. Um, in that mm. I I know enough bits from Simpsons jokes that I can just kind of bring them up <laughs> at random times. Not enough for a full episode or storytelling, just random little bits. Uh, so, so, so that's me. Who else is coming to the? Uh, who else is going to meet me at Frogtown? I mean, y'all have to, but I'll need to know who I'm talking to. Well, uh, you, if you need to know who you're talking to, you can call me Snowball's Chance. Uh, <laughs> my occupation uh, is a Yeti cooler scrounger, uh, and my value is that. I have the freakish mutant ability to drink beverages that aren't Arctic cold. Oh, so that shit. enables me to go out into the wasteland and scrounge for Yeti coolers while everyone else has to stay back at the base with the coolers. You're saying you're okay. drinking lukewarm water while you're looking for a Yeti? You're going out I without can. a Yeti? I don't want to, but I can. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, it's not great. It's like, you know, Wolverine, like I can heal from a wound. You don't want that wound, but you can heal from it. That's okay. I can. The, and the reason I'm going to Frogtown is that... Uh, 
Where it is, the frogmen have dug up a 24 cubic foot stainless steel Chillmaster 4000 <laughs> with eight cup holders molded into the lid, and it glows in the dark. Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. That could keep your stuff uh, cold for weeks. Yes. And in the dark, you can still see it. That can become the cornerstone of a new civilization. Mm-hmm. We can build America too on it. Grant, while you're going, while you're going to Brockton, I'm gonna have to. I, get, I have to ask the follow up. So you say you're going there to get this, uh, get that cooler, but yeah, are you nuts? Brockton, no, I have no choice. I got a cod piece on that'll blow my genitals off if I don't. Anyone else going to Frogtown? Uh, yeah, I, I said I'd meet you there. Yeah, for sure. Well, you have to. Yep. So uh, who would we be looking for? Uh, well, my nickname will hopefully be Biclops. I'm assuming that there will be a lot of missing eyes in the, in, after all the accidents and stuff and with fewer doctors and medicine. Right. I'm hoping that my nickname is still Biclops by this point. Ah, anyway, <laughs> anyone crossing Roddy Piper is going to be missing at least one eye. At least one. Uh, hopefully he, just hit, he doesn't hit you square on like normal to your... Yeah. Biclops, what you doing in the, in the wasteland nowadays? Well, like I said, I have transferable skills. Like, uh, as long as there's still some things, we're not too far in the future. Like, uh, I mean, probably I could still do some engineering. I did that for a while as a profession. I might be able to do that a little bit. Um, But also, I could scrounge for porn. I mean, I assume the internet and all the, like, you know, the big databases are down. Well, I know where the analog stuff is hidden. I know I know the kinds of logs that are clearly hiding one in the forest. I know the right mattresses to look under to find them. So <laughs> this is a valuable scrounging profession. Yeah. What, I'd, what I really want to do is be like Rory Calhoun and be like a crazy old miner who just goes off and I'll sell it to either side. I'll sell it to the frogs or the humans. I don't really care. I just want to be on my own. But eh, if some either side gets a hold of me, they'll probably be able to force me to work for them. So... I'll be scrounging, scrounging, uh, barely legals probably is what I'll be finding. Um, why am I going to Frogtown for vacation and fun? It kind of looks like a cool, (laughs) dangerous, it's like going to, but it's not any different than going to Tijuana. If you've ever been there, it's it's pretty much the same thing. So why am I going back? Uh, for that world famous bologna sandwich. That world famous bologna sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> and that bologna's made, it's got a lot higher frog content in it nowadays. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, 2021, it's got a frog content. Uh, it's just going to be higher. <laughs> right. It's still a half inch straight off the deli roll. Yeah, they're still straight oh, off the deli roll. Straight off the deli roll, baby. They hop right on your plate. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt, who are we looking for when, uh, when we meet up at Frogtown? So, I. Uh, my character uh, in, in the this in the Frogtown apocalyptic future is Dalrog the oil runner, um, and I do what I think is most valuable to society, and and what I do best, I'm a podcaster. Um, my father, my father Ganglor the oil runner. Look, he was an oil runner, but. It uh, does not mean that I have to run oil and I'm choosing a different <laughs> career. I'm running a different type of oil, Dad. It's not popular with my parents, but it's what I do best. So uh, the value I, br- I can do both kinds of podcasts, true crime and movie review. <laughs> double threat. Holy crap, both? Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's good threat. to know podcasting won't die out. We, we will need podcasting in, uh, in Frogtown. So I'm going there uh, mainly... To set up relationships with my sponsors. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going back to Frogtown 
to have sex with some toad women. <laughs> right. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to piggyback off of Matt's uh, having intercourse with the toad mutant. But uh, why am I going to Frogtown? I, I lost my one true love. Am I nuts? <laughs> hey, listen, somebody's got to do this. All right. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, I think that more or less covers it. Uh, the, what real quick round? Um, would you guys recommend watching this movie? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I this was a perfect B movie. I know um, Grant and his friends used to watch uh, bad movies, and I once asked, like, "Well, what's what's the?" There's like this fine line Grant was explaining between like bad, bad, unwatchable, and bad, good. It's awesome, and this they like Grant said they they were in on it. They knew what they were doing, and it's fantastic. I would watch again. Yeah, if you want to have some fun, this is a movie for you. And uh, it does answer the age-old question of uh, what would survive a nuclear blast. We all, there's only two things. It's going to be cockroaches and Rory Calhoun. Uh, <laughs> I know he's currently dead, but he's not. Uh, he's not going anywhere. He still look. He looks the same as when he died. Is all I'm saying. If you nuke so, him, yeah. you won't get any deader. Yeah. It's true. Little Captain Travis, if you want Grant to listen to the DVD commentary of a bad movie and then retell it on a podcast. Let us know. Uh, email us at freelegaladvicepodcast at gmail.com. And to see all the best gifts from the movie, including Let's Boogie, uh, you can find us over on Instagram. We are Free Legal Advice Podcast. And like Grant always says, the best place to see all three snakes is by following us on Twitter <laughs> at Free Legal Pod. I need all three. Classic. 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 A classic bit. Episode 98. Let's do this. Everyone pick a buddy to come back to the French Revolution with. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'm picking Sherlock Holmes. Uh, <laughs> you all, you this, Sherlock? Is not, this is not the first time you've uh, pretended he was a real human being. <laughs> and it won't be the last. Anyone could tell you that, including Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm bringing uh, Genghis Khan because if you're going anywhere in history, you you bring uh, world's greatest conqueror with that's you. That's true. Right? Oh, very Bill and Ted's, very Bill and Ted's, very yeah, nice. Yeah, for, for mine, we'll also require another time travel stop off to get him. Uh, Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> get the Intimidator. Gotta get get it. Get him on our side. Get the, the, get the Intimidator on our side. <laughs> Hell yeah! Can challenge people to to carriage races. I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna stop off and get we stop a stop uh, off uh, in January two thousand one <laughs> before that fateful Daytona, and we're gonna grab we're gonna grab him at the <laughs> height of his intimidation. Car. We're gonna grab him at the height, and we're gonna get a couple cases of uh, Miller Milwaukee's uh, <laughs> <laughs> best, and we're gonna head back to the French Revolution and see Marie Antoinette's mm-hmm. t- tits, right? <laughs> and Dale Earnhardt's just gonna say, about "I'm pretty time. sure Genghis Khan's gonna back down." The right. Fucking high watermark of this episode. Does he have his aviator glasses? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> fucking rules. No, he doesn't have his Shit. aviator glasses. God now. damn it! Of course he does. Fuck! I wish he would have gone first. I wouldn't have picked Dale, or I wouldn't have <laughs> picked Dale <laughs> <Ted> Angus. <laughs> I would have picked Daryl. How would he pick him without the sunglasses? What are you thinking? <laughs> we pick all Richard just picked NASCAR racers. I'd have picked Richard Petty. <laughs> 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 all, right. all right, all right, all right. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're bringing racers back to different points in time. That's we're exactly bringing, what we're doing. Oh, Richard, Richard Petty. Don't even say Jeff Gordon.
<laughs> no, we're not, not bringing bring goddamn Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon in his rainbow ass car. We're not bringing him. <laughs> we're bringing Dale Earnhardt, Richard mm-hmm. Petty, and AJ mm-hmm. Foyt back, back in time. Evil can evil too. Fine, fine, fine. Evil can evil. <laughs> bringing them to various points in history. We're bringing uh, race car drivers to various points in history. Turn internet over.